Welcome to Feathers in My Hair, an Emotionally Broken Psycho's Patreon exclusive. Join me for the ultimate team mom deep dive. This is more than just a recap show. I'll scour the internet to bring you all the best drama that MTV didn't air. From police reports to deleted tweets, I've got the details on all the fights, breakups, and arrests of our favorite MTV train wrecks. If you think the moms bring the drama on TV, just wait until you hear what really happened. I'm your host, Liz Bentley. Hi, everyone. How are you? I'm going to be honest. I'm really tired, but not just physically, but I'm very physically tired right now. I'm a little tired of Teen Mom right now. <laughs> Is that how you like your Teen Mom podcast to start? I said I'm a little tired of Teen Mom. You know, I've done four podcasts in the last two weeks on Teen Mom because I've done two bonus episodes. One was a Patreon only. The other one you guys should have heard. What day? I released it Tuesday night, right? Because Janelle was fired. Um, I hope all my Philly and Philly adjacent babes appreciated the Action News, uh, ABC Action News theme song that I did for the intro and the outro. (laughs) When I hear that song, I think of news. I know last time, I think it was when David was fired, I did like a breaking news clip. I used like a da-na-na sound, but this time I wanted to pretend like I was a news lady. And when I hear the action news theme song, that's when I think a noose. It's in that people like a bunch of people messaged me and were like, where did you even find that? Like people who aren't from Philly, everybody from Philly loved it. But it's for those that didn't know, maybe we're wondering, I'm sure most don't care, but it is the theme song for ABC action news. It is like an iconic theme song in Philadelphia. Like anybody that has ever lived in the the greater Philadelphia area, like, knows that song, knows the words, like, the lyrics, like, you know that song. Um, so yeah, I'm a little, I'm feeling a little, like, I'm, you know, it was, like, a real high of Team Mom drama, and now I'm, like, on the downswing. I also went to a really good yoga class this morning. I did hot yoga this morning, which I do a lot of Saturdays, but I've been kind of taking off, and I did three power yoga classes this week where I've been kind of slacking for the last couple months and only doing two. I think I'm just, I think I'm just tired. I took a nap and I don't really feel like it helped. And I just took a shower and I think that probably made it worse. (laughs) Anyway, hi guys. Um, I had five years sober this week, which was pretty cool (laughs) on Wednesday on May 8th because I got sober on May 8th, 2014, which is pretty neat. Um, in case you didn't know, you're considered in long-term sobriety when you get five years. The, I guess the statistic is once you hit five years, you're less than 15% likely to relapse. Basically, every year you stay sober, you're less likely to relapse, right? And most people can't stay sober a full year. So once you've been sober for one year, like your chances go down by like 50% or a significant amount. And each year, it's more and more. And then once you hit five years, you're under a 15% chance of relapse and you're like officially in long-term sobriety and somebody when I was like maybe six months sober told me that five years was long-term sobriety and so for this whole four and a half that whole four and a half years it, it's kind of been like my goal to hit five years five is just a good number um it sounds a lot better than 4 for whatever reason it's not, 5 is like a serious number i would imagine most of the multiples of 5s feel like serious numbers when it comes to recovery like i've been 
5, 10, 15, you know what I mean. Um, so hitting that milestone of five years, like obviously my goal is to stay sober every single day, but for some reason, like this number five, like felt really monumental to me in a way that four didn't feel like four felt good. I would say one felt like incredible. Like I remember feeling like I was on the top of the fucking world. Like I had more time. (laughs) than anyone else in the world because and I like I kind of did because most of the people I hung out with were in early recovery too so like I I did have more time than a lot of people because most people couldn't stay sober because we were all in early recovery um I but I like for my first year um the way like anniversary celebrations are done in Florida at least like in the meetings that I went to is that like you do like, the last meeting of every month is, like, an anniversary meeting, and you get to, like, tell your story. You get a coin. It's done a little different up here. Anniversaries aren't celebrated as much up here, which is, it's fine. But because my anniversary is in May and my birthday is May 30th, I actually picked up my first year coin on May 30th, and, like, my entire family came, like, my brother and sister-in-law from Seattle, my mom, my dad, my stepmom, not my step, my stepdad couldn't come, but, like, everybody in my family was here. We celebrated my birthday and my anniversary. It was, like, it was so special. Both my parents gave me my coin. They both, like, cried up there. The whole meeting cried. It was, like, really, really special. It was amazing. My aunt had my mom's side of the family, who I'm not very close with, because my mom is the youngest of five by like 10 years. Like my mom's oldest sibling is like 25 years older than her. My grandma had my mom when she was like 46 in the 50s. <laughs> it was a mess. And um, so I'm not like that close with my cousins on my mom's side because they're all much older than me. My cousin that's the closest in age to me is I think 15 years older than me. Like, so I'm a lot younger than all of them and they live all over the country. So we're just not as close as opposed to on my dad's side where um, I have an older cousin and now like a co- two younger cousins, but um, my brother and then my two cousins and I are all within a year of each other and we all grew up together in the summers and living in the same beach house. We would see each other all the time. So my dad's side of the family was very close, even though we were quite dysfunctional, but as cousins, we were very, very close. And, but oh, my, my mom's older sister, my aunt had, <laughs> I had no idea she was doing this. It was so nice. For my first year and my birthday that year, she had all of my cousins, who I'm telling you, like, some of them I had not spoken to in years. She made all of them somehow send me a birthday card in the mail with Target gift cards, like, for, like, 10 to $20. It was, like, the nicest thing. I, rem- I must have a picture of it somewhere. I got, like, 20 birthday and anniversary cards that year. It was, like, <laughs> it was so nice. I actually used all of those gift cards, and I bought a TV at Target, which was huge for me because in the sober home, I, like, didn't have my own TV. I would have to always watch on the computer. So that was, like, I bought my own TV. It was, like, a really big moment. It was crazy that I had all of these people send me cards, these cousins, and, like, my whole family was there. It was just, it was just incredible. I just loved it. Um, And then, so, like, two, three, and four were, like, good. They were, I mean, every year you have an anniversary is, like, incredible because it's another year that you're sober. But for whatever reason, this five just felt, like, so good. My dad sent me this huge bouquet at work. Of course, most people at work don't know I'm sober. I did tell one of the lawyers, I was like, well, I've been sober five years today. And she was like, oh. (laughs) She's, like, cool and young and I knew, like, wouldn't judge me. Um, but everybody else was like, my dad just wanted to send me flowers. 
And he had asked me for my work address the day before. And so I kind of knew he was going to. And I almost wanted to be like, can you just send them to my house so I don't have to explain to people that I'm in recovery? But luckily, most people in my office just like kind of accepted my explanation and didn't press for any more details. So yeah, my five years was great. Tonight is my AA home group's like anniversary for their like the home group's anniversary it's like their 10 years or something so they're doing a dinner beforehand and all my friends will be there and then I'll get my five-year coin which is exciting and yeah so that's it for my personal life um I don't know if you care whatever oh also my best friend's little baby that I was going to meet last week is literal perfection I posted her on my EVP underscore feathers Instagram account but I think only in the story I don't really want I don't really want like my nieces to be on my grid over there you know it's like mm. but if you go to my personal Instagram which is Bentley Liz one you can see her her name is Adele Bracha she is literal perfection she is teeny teeny tiny she was only six pounds 18 inches so you know she like lost her birth weight and was so little and like I could hold her little head in my hand and then her legs just went to like the crook of my arm. It was, oh, she's so cute and perfect. Her big sisters are really cute with her. And yeah, I'm really glad that I was able to go down there. Like to hold her the day she was born was really something else. My best friend has her babies at home. She's like a doula and into home birth and all that stuff. But the other three babies were born when they were living in Israel. So I, I met you know, I didn't get to see them for, like, months after they were born. And we we obviously weren't as close when she was living in Israel. Like, we were still very close. By the time the third baby was born, WhatsApp had been invented. So we were, like, texting a lot again via WhatsApp. But it just, you're obviously never going to be as close with someone when they live with a seven-hour time difference. I think that's what it is. And it's a very long flight. Um... Like, I would go, we were so close. We were still best friends. We just weren't as close as we are now, where we're not only in the same time zone, but we're driving distance from each other, so we see each other often, and we talk, like, all of the time. But to be able to be there on the day she was born, like, and it coincided with with my five years that I, like, worked really hard to do, and, like, the gifts of sobriety, like, getting to be there, like... And being trusted like that and just, like, getting to be there for, like, four days. I guess I was there for three days after her baby was born. Like, to be invited into her home and, like, I mean, her husband is in law school and he was in finals. So it was just, like, a crazy week and, like, she really needed me to be there. So, I mean, she loves her family and, like, her mother-in-law is great. But, like, obviously, you would most people would rather have their best friend who's, like, their sister to be there to help with their kids over like a mother-in-law I think a lot of people even though I I love her (laughs) in-laws but to be able to like go down there and you know like be invited into their home like even her husband was like are you sure you have to leave and like we get along very well but obviously he's not my best friend she is to be able he it was so cute he like bought me a candle from anthropology to say thank you to just like be able to be able to like be with my family and my friends and like these people I obviously consider family like it's such a gift of sobriety that like I I don't know I it just like all hit me this week so I'm having a really good week personally even though I'm like really 
<laughs> I've come down with the T-bone trauma. <laughs> I don't know how to now transition out of this. Janelle got fired, as we all know. I thought this week I would um, have a lot more to talk about drama-wise. But once, I would say, like, Janelle getting fired was the climax of this drama. And now we're kind of on a lull of drama. So I guess, oh, the Ashley says that Jade Klein from Teen Mom Young and Pregnant is going to be Janelle's replacement. I'm not 100% sure if I believe that. I think it seems likely but until they like roll out previews I'm not sure I believe it I think the team mom season finale is this week which means OG and team mom young and pregnant should be coming back how do I feel about Jade Klein joining team mom too okay if we remove the element of team mom young and pregnant because I'm a little nervous about what it means for team mom young and pregnant so let me just first think about like Jade as a team mom two member actually pretty good um to me, she was not the star of Team Mom Young and Pregnant. I think you guys all know by, like, 1B of uh, Team Mom Young and Pregnant, Kayla, to me, like, really carried that show. But Jade has a lot of family drama. She has a lot of baby daddy drama. She is loud. She's, like, willing to fight on camera. She is drama, but also there's, like, a good element of her that she's, like, a hard work. She's kind of a kale, right? We've I've been saying that since the first episode. She is, like, very dramatic, very angry, very aggressive. Also, like, not for nothing has, like, kind of a similar structure to Kale. It's not that they look like, but they're both, I think Jade's tall. But she's, like, taller, bigger girl. They kind of look alike in a way. Not in their face, but their bodies are kind of similar. At least, I think Jade's lost a lot of weight or was losing weight. I don't know if I've seen a picture of her recently. But she's a very hard worker. She's constantly, like, posting about her businesses She's opened a restaurant, apparently. (laughs) You know, she had that bakery thing going on. She's in hair school. Um, I don't think Jade has ever, like, taken a day off in her life type of person. I also think age-wise, she probably makes the most sense to add to Team Mom 2. She was, I believe, the oldest girl in Team Mom Young and Pregnant. I know Ashley was a similar age to her, but she presents very... I don't want to say maturely because I do think there are a lot of immature elements about her. But, like, if you told me Jade was the same age as, like, Janelle, I would believe it. It doesn't feel like there's, like, a six-year age difference. And I think that's probably why they didn't bring Kayla on. Because Kayla still seems very young. She still seems very teen mom young and pregnant. You know, like she, I think, was 18 when she had Isaiah, so she's probably 19 or 20 now. Remember she had that birthday on the show and, like, they got all dressed up and, like, went to Olive Garden for dinner because they're, like, teens and couldn't go to the bar. So I think Kayla, while she, in my opinion, is the star of teen mom young and pregnant, is a little young for teen mom too because it does have to make sense. You know, like, age-wise, it has to make sense for her to join this show. And, like, I mean, Chelsea's, like, 28. And it would be kind of crazy if they brought a 20-year-old on. I At least I think that. I don't, maybe it wouldn't feel that way if she actually came on. But I think Jade fits in pretty well for Teen Mom 2 and could be a good addition to the cast. Like, when I read that, I was like, oh, okay, that... Yeah, that actually makes sense. I think she brings enough drama to the show that it's interesting, and she's interesting, but I don't think she is 
quite as volatile, like that makes her kind of a safe bet for MTV. I think MTV is a little worried. They're in kind of a precarious situation and that they need to be careful about who they add, which is why I've said before, like they're not adding Mackenzie McKee. And I think that Jade is a person that she's not going to come on the show and like get arrested for fighting. Probably not. Maybe I can kind of see her hitting Sean. Can't you? Can't you imagine her just like decking Sean in the face on camera? <laughs> I can really see that. But I, I, I just think Jade will be a good addition to the Team Mom 2 cast and that she won't stick out. And I'd be, I'll be interested to see. Um, obviously, guys, I'm going to keep watching Team Mom 2. I was going to keep watching. I'm going to keep watching this fucking show until either I stop doing this podcast or the shows get canceled. As I've said before, I personally would like the shows to be canceled so that we can just go. This can be a podcast where I recap old episodes. That would carry me through like three years and then maybe it'd be time for me to end the podcast. <laughs> it's not going to go on forever, but they're not canceling it. So we'll see. We'll see how it goes with Jade. I don't think she's a bad addition. Like when I read it, I wasn't like, ugh, no. I think it makes sense. And I think it was probably a smart move by MTV to bring her on. Um, I know a lot of people say, why don't they just stick to the four girl format? But I think the reality is, is MTV is totally done with the four girl format. They're not interested in the four girl format anymore. I think they much, much, much prefer the five girl format. Now, what does that mean for Team Mom Young and Pregnant? I don't know. I'm very worried. As you guys will remember, Lexi got fired from Team Mom Young and Pregnant. So if Jade, or I wonder if they'll do Jade in the 2A season because she's already been filming and then switch her to Team Mom 2. I don't, that might be a good idea. I don't know. I don't know. But let's say Jade is completely off of Team Mom 2 and they fired Lexi. That only leaves us with Ashley... Brie and Kayla. By the way, I wonder if Ashley's pissed that Jade got Teen Mom 2 over her. I bet she is. I think that Ashley really wants to be a reality star, but I think that Ashley... I think Ashley has... I think, like I said, MTV's in a precarious situation is trying really hard with the right... to pick the right fit for Teen Mom 2 and that they, they'll bring drama, but they won't be too explosive. And I think, once again, they feel that... Ashley and, by extension, Barr and Barr's family are a liability. Um, I think that they are nervous about bringing in, although Shen apparently lives in Ohio and will not be filming, according to her, which I kind of believe. But I think the physical element between Ashley and Barr makes them nervous, and especially if there is a lot of domestic violence between them and drug addiction or alcoholism or whatever they say is going on between them. I think that MTV wouldn't want to pull that into Teen Mom 2 right now. I think MTV is in major damage control. And I think that she will be fine staying on Teen Mom Young and Pregnant. But I think that they want to protect Teen Mom 2 as a brand right now. And they just are not going to bring somebody with that much potential for physical violence onto Teen Mom 2. Apparently, there's been a new girl, and I've forgotten about this, but somebody on Reddit, thank you to whoever that was, reminded me that there was a new girl in Virginia filming for Teen Mom Young and Pregnant. I already can't remember her name. So it is possible that they have been filming new girls, and we, you know, they could be filming two new girls, and we just don't know. They could push back Teen Mom Young, Teen Mom Young and Pregnant and not bring it back until Teen Mom 2 comes and give them time to film new girls. 
They could always bring Lexi back. They could change their mind. I would be really bummed if they canceled Teen Mom Young and Pregnant. I think you guys know that. I like Teen Mom Young and Pregnant. I think it's a dynamic cast. I think it's interesting. It feels a lot fresher than the other shows, which I didn't think was possible. I will be livid if we don't get to see Kayla ruining her life by having another baby with another guy. I'll be really mad. I deserve it. Don't I deserve it? So yeah, I'll be pissed if Team Mom Young and Pregnant is canceled. I really hope it's not. All right, let's get on to this week's episode right after a quick break. Lee and Jeremy are totally fucking, right, at this point. (laughs) And that's what's going on. By the way, this was like a hella boring episode. And the high of the drama made me remember, like, how much worse this show is compared to drama online. Especially because I didn't have to recap last week and I just got to talk about drama this week. I'm like, do I seriously have to recap this show? And, you know, once I read an iTunes review or something... That was like, I don't get it. Like, she hates this show. (laughs) And the person wasn't pleased. But I thought we all understood that we all hate this show. That this show is really bad. And I hope most of you are not watching this show and you're just listening to me recap it. God, God only knows, like, if I was not doing this podcast, that's what I would be doing. That's what I'm doing for a lot of Bravo shows now, by the way. I'm, like, not really watching that much TV anymore, as I've mentioned, but I am keeping up with all of my recaps on my podcasts and the online stuff, so I don't even need to watch the shows anymore. And I really wish I could do that for Teen Mom because this show is, like, not good. And I feel like I was reminded of that. Oh my god, I didn't talk about I'm sorry, guys. Right before we get into this episode, I forgot to mention that the other big drama with Janelle this week besides the replacement was that there was word that Janelle and David were going to go on marriage boot camp. Now, if you'll remember, I've absolutely talked about this on the podcast before. Janelle and David were supposed to go on marriage boot camp back in summer 2017, I guess that was, right? It must have been. What, maybe 2016? I don't remember. When did she have Ensling? So summer 2016, before I even had this fucking podcast. And it was supposed to be Janelle, David, and Barbara. And they were going to go on Marriage Bootcamp Family Edition. Which I would have fucking killed for. This is like back before David had gone like totally insane. (laughs) At least on the internet. He was still hated. He was not good. I think this was, like, post that weird jellyfish fight. People already knew, like, he wasn't a good guy, but he was still on the show. He was still grooming himself. He still didn't look so crazy. Um, But at the time, we found, we were told that they pulled out because Janelle got pregnant. Or, like, Marriage Boot Camp decided not to go forward with them because Janelle got pregnant. But Ashley this week was saying, like, they didn't go on because Barbara pulled out. And I was like... Uh, excuse me, you absolutely did not report that at the time. I specifically remember that you told us that it didn't happen because Chanel got pregnant. Anyway, so since then, apparently, and that was when Ferris family ended up going on. First, they asked Janelle and David, then they couldn't do it for whatever reason. Then they asked Amber. Amber refused to do it at the time, and then they went to Farah. Now, if you, as you'll know, Amber went on to do it later. That's when she met her now- life partner. (laughs) By the way, baby James turned one this week, so that's great. 
supposedly marriage boot camp has been trying to get Janelle and David on for a while. Janelle and David have turned them down multiple times. People were livid, already talking about possibly boycotting We TV, contacting the sponsors as they did with this. People are really mad because apparently the going rate for marriage boot camp is around $200,000, although some couples have gotten significantly more, like one couple from The Bachelor, whose names I don't know because I don't watch The Bachelor. Although I highly recommend this book, Bachelor Nation, by Amy, oh my god, why can't I remember her last name? Molly McAleer, actually, the executive producer of this podcast, is mentioned in the book because she's good friends with Amy. Hold on, I need to look up her last name. Amy Kaufman. It's so good. I listened to it on audio. I think she read it herself, which I usually don't like, but she did a very good job of. Whoever read it did a good job. The book was fascinating. I really suggest it. I'm not a bachelor head. It's too much. I watched like Andrew Firestone's season way back in the day, and I maybe watched Tristan Ryan's season, or I might have just kept up with it like in pop culture like I do now. Because the thing is, like, I love reality TV. I love TV. I love pop culture. Like, I keep up with The Bachelor. I'm like, I'm not a Philistine, guys. <laughs> I know it's going on in the world, okay? I just can't watch The Bachelor because it's like 19 hours of TV a week. It doesn't, it doesn't move fast. It's not even interesting enough for me personally to like want to keep up with recaps and podcasts about it. I also don't like most of the people that are on The Bachelor. They're not compelling to me. It's not like grimy enough for me. <laughs> Because it's not aspirational, but it's also not grimy. So what is there for me to watch on it? But Bachelor Nation is like a super good book. She, Amy Coffin, covered The Bachelor for years and years for the LA Times. She's a super fan of the show. And she wrote this really, like, really amazing book about tons and tons of people on record. Tons of people on record. Basically the whole history of the show, the whole process of filming the show, what it's like filming the show, what it's like to be The Bachelor, what it's like to be The Bachelorette. If you like reality TV, like this is for you. I might not like The Bachelor, but like I loved the first season of Unreal. Unreal went off the rails really quickly, but Unreal season one was great because I love reality TV. This book was definitely really good for reality TV. I highly recommend it if you're into reality TV. I can't, I can't say it enough. It's really good. Anyway, there was a bachelor couple, Sean and Caitlin, maybe, who went on marriage boot camp and apparently got around $400,000. So people were livid at the idea that Janelle and David would get money, which fair enough. You know, like I said, I think I said this in my uh, car cast last week. I don't have a problem with people protesting and contacting sponsors. I will say when Stassi Schroeder, her Straight Up with Stassi podcast from Vanderpump Rules, she had a podcast she put out called Are We on a Male Witch Hunt? It was November 2017, I think. It was over Thanksgiving weekend. And she, (laughs) it was when the Me Too movement happened. She went fucking insane. If you guys don't know this, like, it's awful. She basically said, like, most rape victims are lying. She said no one could ever make me suck a dick. She said these act- actresses were asking for it. Her co- her guests for that day, like, literally defended Roman Polanski. Like, this is how far off the rails it went. They were defending Roman Polanski. <laughs> it was insane. It was absolutely fucking crazy. It was one of the most offensive things I've ever heard in my life. And she had a lot of sponsors on her podcast, and I contacted sponsors and said, I 
thought it was crazy that they would, like, did they hear this? Is this what their company stands for? And she lost at the time, like, I think 10 or 15 sponsors for a podcast. Now she's gained them all back. She's done a total image revamp. She has a book come out this week. Everybody's forgotten. Are we on a male witch hunt? Which, whatever. So, like, I've done that. I believe, like, if you don't support something, like, you have every right to contact sponsors. By that, I mean, like, tweet at them. That's what I did. I tweeted at sponsors. And I understand. I understand why people, like, contacted sponsors. I understand why they did it back when he had David's homophobia and trans uh, phobia stuff. And that's why he originally got fired from the show. I have no problem with that. I have no problem with people feel that they don't, they should not be paid to be on marriage boot camp and shouldn't be on marriage boot camp. That's, I get it. I personally, when it comes to MT, when it comes to the show Teen Mom, I have not contacted a sponsor ever because, and not because I'm like scared of the show getting canceled and I won't be able to do my podcast, as I said at the top of this episode, like cancel this fucking show, please put me out of my misery. I get, I'll start with Teen Mom season one, episode one go all the way through, do all their bean specials, then Teen Mom 2, then Teen Mom 3. Like, I've got fucking content, guys. (laughs) Like, we've got the next two years booked, even if this show gets canceled. It's definitely not for that reason. It's that I personally feel that this show has always, from the jump, from 16 and pregnant, oh, and then I have five seasons to 16 and pregnant. (laughs) From the jump, from 16 and pregnant, this show has been a show about abuse. Uh, Whether it be teen girls being abused by their parents and their boyfriends and being pregnant, whether it be about drug abuse, whether it be about Amber abusing Gary, whether it be about child abuse and neglect. In my opinion, this show has always been about abuse. From the jump, I have been willfully and at times gleefully watching while there's abuse. So for me, I feel like contacting sponsors at this point does not jive with who, what show I've been watching, what the show is about. Now, why would I feel that way about Stassi's podcast? Because I think, I just think it's different. Her podcast, first of all, like she said this in the height of the Me Too stuff, the Harvey Weinstein stuff coming out. Would I be as upset about it today? Yeah, of course. But there's, of course, we react to things differently based on what's going on in the media. I was just talking about that with someone last week. Oh, that's too political. I don't want to get into it. But we definitely react to things based on, like, what's going on in the media. And I think that that's a reasonable, not a bad thing. And we, you know, I don't think, for me, like, David killing the dog is kind of just another bad thing that happened on Teen Mom. And I don't feel the need to contact sponsors over that. However, I don't judge anybody that does. And I understand, do I think some of the like, orchestrated campaigns that I've seen on Reddit and Twitter, like, go a little far. Yeah, in that I know for a fact that these people have been obsessing about their hatred of Teen Mom for many years to the fact that, to the point where it seems self-destructive to me. Um, Like, yeah, I hate this show, but, like, not for nothing, like, I get paid to talk about this. Like, I make, I make money off of this. This has been a net positive this podcast and talking about this because I've monetized my obsession. And I think that like a lot of these people, the amount of energy, you know, it's one thing to spend like 20 minutes just tweeting a bunch of sponsors and then you move on. I think that the amount of energy that certain people have put towards this is a little alarming. It's like a little much because they're really like not getting anything out of it. 
it doesn't, their lives actually aren't at all affected by this. Um, it, it just takes a lot of work for something that they could just choose to no longer participate in, which is not watching the show or talking about it online. So I think there's a difference between like, you know, tweeting at their sponsors and being like, this is bullshit, sending out maybe one or two tweets to each sponsor. That I totally get. The repeated hounding every day of these sponsors, that's where I get lost a little. And like the, what what are you really trying to do here? Why are you really this like offended and obsessed, obsessed with this? And so Marriage Boot Camp has pulled back and said that they're not bringing them on. It's been like a back and forth thing. I will admit that I'm a bad person and I would like to see them on Marriage Boot Camp. I know it means David gets paid, but like, I just want to see it. You know, I was calling for David to come back on this show before the dog killing stuff because I thought it was ridiculous, which I had to agree with Janelle at some point in this episode. It's ridiculous that he is a character of the show, but doesn't actually get to be on the show much I felt about Ryan last season. I don't, I don't support that. I think it's bullshit. I think if somebody gets fired, they shouldn't be mentioned at all ever again on the show if they don't get to defend themselves. Um, like Adam quit, so I don't really care. But for Ryan and David, it doesn't make a ton of sense to me. But I guess we don't have to deal with that going forward with David anymore because Janelle and co will not be on the show. I just want to see them on marriage boot camp because I'm trash. I'm trash. I also think like people making these, like, extreme efforts to, like, harass WeTV sponsors before WeTV even, like, announces that they're coming on is a, a little crazy to me. <laughs> it's just a little crazy to me. It's just a little much. Like, I just want everyone to, like, take a deep breath and realize, like, okay, we we can move on. Um, I think that WeTV really wants David and Janelle to come on, but I think they'll wait a little bit. Um, I also don't think David's gonna agree to go on marriage boot camp. I mean, maybe I'll have to eat my words on that. I don't think David has any interest. I don't think David cares about money. I think I said this in my car cast or somewhere, maybe in my Janelle getting, I mean, they're all car cast now, but in my Janelle's fired episode, I think David grew up poor, most, lived most of his life poor and just isn't that concerned about money. I, I don't think that money motivates him. He's not Farah, you know, where he is now like accustomed to this lifestyle and is going to do anything to keep it. I think as far as David's concerned, he's like, all right, we'll be poor. Who cares? And I don't know if he'd willingly go on marriage boot camp and be subjected to all the shit that they do on marriage boot camp for the 12 days or whatever, how long filming is. I don't think he's interested in that. I think Janelle is interested in that. I think Janelle is in for a weird awakening when she realizes that she's no longer on TV. I know I said in my firing episode that there's a part of her that, like, hates being on Teen Mom because it makes her life really hard, but I can't imagine what it's like when your whole life has been filmed for 10 years and then it stops. So I think in Janelle's head, she's like, let's go marriage boot camp. Let's make this $200,000 to $300,000. That's like a season, a little less than a season of Teen Mom. And then, you know, we won't have to worry about money for another year. At least that's what she should be thinking. That's what anybody sane would, anybody sane would be thinking that. But also Janelle isn't saying as I've discussed before. So I don't know. I don't think David's really going to agree to go on marriage boot camp, even if they want him on marriage boot camp. I think 
here's the thing. I think WeTV desperately wants them on. Do you know how much fucking press it would get them? It's not like they care if there's bad press. You know, WeTV is the one that has Mama June on her new show. <laughs> they don't give a fuck. WeTV's like, oh yeah, you're like actively, you actively dated a pedophile. Like, well, actually multiple times, by the way, on the Smush Room, Troy did like an incredible episode on Mama June two weeks ago. It was so good. Um, It was so, so, so good. He had a great co-host on named, I believe her name was Renee. I'm sorry. I don't know your name off the top of my head, but they did such a good episode on just like the way we looked at reality TV when, and how they were part of like this resurgence of resurgence of redneck culture on TV and in pop culture. Oh, it was so good. But like also Mama June's like actively in trouble for smoking crack right now. And it's like, let's just keep filming. Is she keeping the weight off? <laughs> That's all they care about. So WeTV will have them on if they will agree to go on. Anyway, okay, back to the show. Now we can recap. Leah and Jeremy are back to hooking up, (laughs) which, you know, yikes. Yikes. They didn't admit it on the show, but it's so obvious. And the sad thing is, is that this whole episode was basically about how much it hurts Addie that her parents aren't together and I think the reason that she's talking about it and they're not talking about it on the show is because now Leah and Jeremy are hanging out so much and she's getting confused. Um, Jeremy apparently works close to home now. He's only about two hours away. And he goes to dinner with a friend. And I guess he tells his friend that Addie had told him, why did you leave my mom? By the way, Jeremy's friend was, like, really good on TV. He was very personable. He was interesting. They should bring him back. Jeremy said that Addie was crying and said that she she felt abandoned and that Jeremy abandoned me and my sissies. I'm not sure if she used that word, but Jeremy used that word. And Jeremy was like, um, you don't even know your sissies. Like you didn't, not, you don't even know your sissies. He was like, you were too young to even like remember me leaving. Cause remember Jeremy and Lee broke up when Addie was like two or two and a half. She was very young. They weren't together for very long. And he basically was saying that, like, the twins were kind of putting it in her head, which is sad because I would guess the twins felt abandoned by him. You know, we talk about, like, how much Jeremy being back in the picture must affect Addie, but who it really probably affects just as much that we're not talking about is the twins, who were very much old enough to know Jeremy, understand Jeremy, feel his presence, and then feel him gone and have no relationship with him after the fact Lee and Jeremy also had a very volatile relationship, which they were witness to. If you remember, they told Corey that they had to hide in, like, the pantry while Mommy and Jeremy were screaming at each other. Corey was worried about their fighting and the effect that it had on the girls. So it's pretty, like, it's probably pretty confusing for them that now all of a sudden Mommy and Jeremy are hanging out again. This guy that they've had no relationship with for the last few years. (sighs) Leah's just, like... She's such a mess. By the way, what do we think of her brown hair? I don't think I like it. I think it's like a weird color on her. It's not really bad, but I feel like that version of brown isn't, it's just not great on her. Um, I, Apparently the twins are also like obsessed with them getting back together. So is Addie. Uh, Jeremy like gave, sent a note home with Addie to Leah and... Addie told the girls it was a love note, so all the girls are screaming, like, 
Jeremy wrote you a love note. And it's because, as I've said a million times, that Leah dates with her girls. So they know that she's back with Jeremy. You know, they're fully aware that she's back with Jeremy. And they want them to be together because they like dating with Leah. (laughs) It's really sad. It's really sad. I wonder what Corey thinks about it. If I was Corey, I'd be like, can you please stop doing this? Um, Apparently, Addie told Leah that Leah really broke her dad's heart. I don't know. Does this read as a kind of weird to you guys? Addie's only in kindergarten. I get she has older sisters, so that probably affects it. And they probably watch a lot, a lot, a lot of TV. You know, like probably a lot of Disney movies and lots of focus on love. But as I've said, like my niece is the same age as Addie. She's in kindergarten, and maybe it's different because my niece doesn't have older sisters and they don't watch that much Disney stuff yet. Like, they, you know, they watched Frozen. They loved The Prince of Egypt. They watched it Passover. Now they're obsessed with The Prince of Egypt. Um, but they don't... I just can't imagine her saying, like, talking about, like, you broke my daddy's heart. Talking about who they want. Like, their parents are married, so it doesn't apply to them. But I can't imagine them, like, talking to me about, like, who I'm dating. I don't know. I don't know. It seems a little mature. It seems like mature concepts for Addie, considering she's still only in kindergarten. But I think it's because there's, Leah has no boundaries in her house. (laughs) And I guess Addie, if she's watching a ton of Disney princess stuff, would have a pretty good concept of like love and breaking up and relationships. Must be where it comes from. So at one point, Oreo, Leah's sister, by the way, a lot of people ask me why I call Leah's sister Oreo, and that's because that's her nickname. Her name, her name is Victoria, and I guess Leah pronounced it as Oreo when she was a kid, and in the early seasons, I used to always call her Oreo. Um, so that's just what I call her, Oreo. So Oreo basically asks if Leah and Jeremy are going to get back together. Leah doesn't answer and kind of laughs and plays a joke, and then Oreo's like, okay, so you didn't even answer, and Leah's like, no, no, we're not getting back together. Okay, and then Leah has a weird talk with Addie, and Addie says, it's just that daddy, and she talks about, like, Leah, is like, well, why do you want daddy and I to get back together? And she's like, it's just that daddy didn't have a girlfriend at the time, and I thought you and daddy should be together. Well, it's just weird. I think it's just very clear that Addie knows that mommy and daddy are, like, spending time together and being romantic together and doesn't understand then why they're not together. Also, I love that Jason is just, like, gone now. Like, we're just done with Jason. (laughs) It was just, like, this weird blip, and when they look at their family Christmas pictures from 2018, we'll just be, like, this weird guy and his weird son in their family pictures. (laughs) Oh, those poor girls. And that's really it for Leah this week. She had a slow week. I really want them to show Leah and Jeremy hooking up on camera. I think we deserve that. Don't you guys think so? Okay, I guess we'll do Brie and then Janelle because they have some kind of, some overlapping stuff. But Brie had a really good time with John there. He's flying home and the producer, like, they're just eating breakfast and the producer's like, so has, when's the last time you talked to Lewis? <laughs> it's just funny because it's like, why are we talking about this with John? Like, wouldn't you think this would be a better conversation to have when Lewis isn't here or when John isn't here? And Brie just says, like, she basically hasn't talked to Lewis in a month. Apparently, because she filed child support, the state of Florida then said Lewis is entitled to every other weekend, which confuses me a little bit. I think that Brie isn't quite understanding what's going on. 
I don't think they would just like automatically go to 50-50 custody. I'm wondering if maybe the state said like he has the right to pursue that, to pursue equal parenting time. And like when we establish, or maybe it's like when we establish uh, like uh, child support, then we also look at like establishing visitation schedule. But I feel like if she got a lawyer and went to court and was like, this guy hasn't been in this girl's life at all for two over two years and we don't feel that he is ready for 50 50 and why we support visitations we would prefer them be supervised for a year and then work his way up to 50 50 i just don't it doesn't seem it doesn't seem as simple as brie makes it which is kind of brie's mo right i mean like she's always like explaining these things and you're like wait, what? I don't think that's right. And that's how I'm feeling on this. She said as a result, she just withdrew child support because she would rather have like complete control of the custody. I It just seems crazy to me. I think that she just wanted child support on paper, which fair enough, who wouldn't? And then was spooked by the idea of him possibly getting like official parenting time. I think she also just doesn't want to hire a lawyer. I think that she should hire a lawyer and get this all in writing and establish this. I personally completely understand why she doesn't think Lois should have 50-50. I don't think Lois should have 50-50 either. If I was Brie, I would be doing everything I could to ensure that he does not have 50-50 custody. I would be asking for him to have supervised visits for a while. The fact is, Lewis has little to no interest in Stella unless it's on his terms. And apparently he has no idea how to watch Stella. And I don't think it should be on Brie teaching him how to watch. And I think that he should have to kind of prove, like, I'm going to show up for every visit. I'm going to be here before he can just take her every other weekend because he is a stranger. Brie even says, like, you know, Stella isn't nervous around you because you talk to her on the phone all the time. I would assume, like, Brie and John probably FaceTime every day. And so he talks to Stella. She's like... Lewis doesn't call me, which, I mean, fair enough, literally my last thing that I ever want to do is sit on FaceTime with a two-year-old. That sounds like a nightmare to me, but I also don't have kids, and there's no reason that he can't call for five minutes a day, and Brie can hold up the phone as he, like, coos at Stella, and she, like, coos back. You know, nobody's saying you have to talk on the phone for an hour, but just so she gets used to your voice, it's just so obvious that Lewis doesn't actually care to be a father, and that's sad, you know. They apparently had an argument over text because he doesn't want to come to her house to see Stella and he doesn't feel like he needs to be supervised. And Bree said, like, there are plenty of times that he can come over while I'm at work. I don't even have to be there. And he's just not interested in being at the apartment. And I think a lot of people criticize Bree for this and say, like, this is her pushing him away. Why should they have to be at the apartment? But the reality is, is because he's a fucking stranger and when Cell went into the hospital for a full week, the only communication he had was a frowny face emoji. I just want everyone to remember that Cell went into the hospital for a full week. Three texted him and he responded with a frowny face emoji. <laughs> and I'm sorry, like, if you really want to see your kid, you'll go to the apartment and you'll sit there and you'll deal with it. And you'll prove to them that you're ready to be a dad because he does need to prove to them. I think, like, a lot of these dads want to dip in and out when it's convenient and don't understand why they feel like, why they need to prove themselves to anyone because they're like, I'm the dad. But it's like, you need to prove yourself because you're, you haven't fathered. You haven't been an active father. Lewis is just a real piece of work. So, Janelle is going to Florida to film. I'm going to skip to Janelle real quick. 
and then come back to Brie and Janelle, I guess. So we get, at the beginning of Janelle's segment, we get a, Janelle still isn't allowed to, they're still not filming in North Carolina, so she's going to Florida with her friend Katrina, who we've never seen on the show, but has been a friend of Janelle's, I think since she was dating Nate, is when Katrina first came around. Jamie and Katrina, I wonder if they were friends with each other. I think Katrina was Nate and Janelle's landlord, and that's when she met Katrina. So they have been friends for a while, I doubt they're best friends. I don't think Janelle has best friends. Her boyfriend or husband is her best friend. Then she's women she sees occasionally. But they have been friends for a while. So they're in the car. Janelle is holding her vape, <laughs> her weed pen. And we find out Kaiser's with Doris. By the way, did you notice like with Doris, not with Nathan? Because Nathan only goes up there once a month, guys. He lives 10 hours away. He can't drive to and from Florida every other weekend. So I'm pretty sure... Nathan goes up there once a month, and which is still a shit ton of driving to do once a month to go 10 hours each way. And, um, but Kaiser goes over there every other weekend and is just with Doris on the off weekends that Nate isn't there. Uh, Ensley is, oh, Marissa's with her grandparents and Ensley's with Barbara, which was pretty surprising to me. I was wondering why David didn't have Ensley back. I wonder if David went out of town too. Because David, I'm pretty sure, is Ensley's primary caregiver. Like, I, I'm pretty sure David is the one that takes care of Ensley because it's not Janelle. Maybe it's Marissa. That's sad. But I, I think David is the one that does most of the child rearing in their home. Just like when she was with Nate, it was Nate that was taking care of Kaiser. And then as soon as David came in, he was Kaiser's primary caregiver. I think he's always... Janelle doesn't have the ability to do that, so whatever guy she's with does that. So I was kind of surprised that Ensley would go with Barbara and not stay with David. And that David was allowing Ensley to go with Barbara. I wonder what was going on with that. So Janelle says that she's, like, been fighting with Barbara again because Barbara is back to believing what's going on in the tabloids and not her. I guess Barbara will read that Janelle and David are going to get divorced, so she'll call David, or she'll call Janelle... And she's like, Janelle then goes to defend David. Well, Katrina says everyone has their marital squawks, which is like, no, not like this. And Janelle says like that she finds it really hard to be honest with Barbara because she can talk with her friends like Katrina or Jamie, but she can't talk with Barbara. And Janelle, Katrina's like, well, yeah, because she's like protective. And Barbara, or Janelle goes, protective, but like judgmental. <laughs> And she gets offended. <laughs> Protective was not what Janelle was trying to say initially with that, which made me laugh. So Janelle then says one of the wildest things that she's ever said. So basically she starts talking about what I've been talking about, which that David feels like it's really unfair that he doesn't get a chance to tell his story. And as I've said a million times, like, I just, it's not that I think it's unfair. I mean, I guess unfair is the word for it. I just think it's crazy that they're like, we're punishing you by firing you, but like, you're still going to be a main character on this show. Janelle says that he hates that, like, everybody talks about him and he doesn't get a chance to defend himself. He hates that his family films and he doesn't film. Janelle says that she doesn't want to talk about her relationship at all because it's not fair if she talks about it, but David can't talk about it. And then she says, it's kind of like the R. Kelly thing. You know, they did that interview and they went and talked to everybody else, but they didn't talk to him. And they didn't see what he thought about it. 
Oh my God. Janelle comparing David to R. Kelly was wild. Janelle, like, that was just such a fucking classic Janelle where she's too stupid to understand that, like, that's not making David look good. It actually makes David look significantly worse. Like, she's too dumb to understand that and think she's making, like, this brilliant point. In reality, like, everybody collectively, like... Hisses at their screen when they hear that because we're like, no, bad. <laughs> Janelle's so stupid. It's so funny when she does that type of shit. Imagine, like, imagine. I mean, really, she should have compared it to, like, Ryan Edwards. Or, like, she didn't need to compare it. Like, we understood. We understood what she was saying. That it was unfair that everybody could talk about him but not, uh, not him. Janelle also said that she hates that Barbara, like, acts one way with her and then goes and films and says something totally different, which I actually will be on Team Janelle there because I believe that to be true. I believe Janelle and Barbara will have, like, a great conversation on the phone and then Barbara will turn around and talk to MTV and talk about all her concerns. And I think that's something that Barbara has been doing her whole life with Janelle, Janelle's whole life, uh, like, a similar type of two-facedness. I think Barbara's very two-faced And that's something that Janelle has a lot of trouble with. And the fact is, like, the reality is is that Barbara's actually being two-faced with Janelle, not with MTV. I think she's telling MTV her true feelings. But she's trying to keep the peace or whatever with with Janelle. And, like, if I'm Janelle and my mom is like, oh, that's so good. You and David are happy. I'm glad to hear it. Okay, love you. And then I see that same day that we talked... She goes and tells MTV that she's scared, like, my husband's going to kill me. Like, I understand why that pisses Janelle off. But I think Janelle needs to understand that, like, her mom is just pleasing her so that she'll be in her life. I don't know. Barbara obviously doesn't want Janelle isolated. Apparently Janelle's, or Barbara's not letting Jace go over there. We'll see. You know, hopefully that's true. For Jace's sake, I hope that's true. But Barbara, I think... This has always been an issue between Janelle and Barbara is that they'll, like, another thing Barbara does is that they'll have these, like, huge blowout fights and they'll scream and then the next day Barbara will call and want to talk and, like, act like nothing's wrong. And Janelle's like, yesterday you called me a slut, like, and today you want, you want to act like nothing ever happened. And Barbara's just two-faced like that. And I think it's always really frustrated Janelle, probably rightfully so. But Janelle also seems to, like, not understand that she's on a TV show (laughs) and that this is how this TV show works. So Janelle is, oh, also she says that her and David only fight about filming. Their relationship is perfect, except that they fight about filming. Um, I thought it was kind of rich that they would have that in the post-Nugget episode that Janelle says that their relationship is perfect. Uh, apparently he's just mad that she has to go out of town all the time. So Janelle and Brie meet up for dinner and we find out that, well, we don't really find anything out. They just, Brie's like, so why did they stop filming? Um, what's going on? Janelle says that like, we're doing, oh, I guess this is where Janelle talks about this. I was wondering why my notes were so bad. It's because they're in the Brie section. (laughs) Um, she says that Barbara thinks there's problems and there's not problems, which, of course, there are problems. Like, Barbara has eyes. So Janelle says, we're good. We had some ups and downs about me traveling. 
Bree asks, like, why they decided to stop filming. Janelle, Janelle, Janelle says that, like, David will text her that it's bullshit that my wife has to go out of town. And Larry says, because of that, okay, we're not coming to film. <laughs> Bree is on the wrong team here. She's, like, totally team Janelle and David. It's kind of crazy that she can't understand that that's not the right team to be on. Definitely makes me question Bree. <laughs> And my support of her. <laughs> Bree doesn't think it's fair because they're like, he's not going to do anything. But it's like, okay, but like, what if he does something? Um, We find out that David is homeschooling Marissa, which we knew Marissa was homeschooled. But I'm still hoping that it's actually online school. Uh, Janelle says, he doesn't cheat on me. He's a perf- He's perfect as a person. Have I not said that, guys? Did Janelle not say exactly why I know that she loves David? Because he doesn't cheat on her and he wants to be around her all the time. I've said that a million times and Janelle Janelle just said it. So now we're back in Bree segment. Devon comes over. He brings a creepy doll for Nova. And Devon helps Nova with, like, this school timeline thing, which is good. He's doing homework for her. Uh, Roxanne mentions that she wants professional pictures done, and Rox says that she wants Lewis there. Bree and Brittany both say no. Bree's like, you can do what you want. It's your professional pictures, but if he's there, I'm not there. Rox is understanding. She says, okay, we'll do part one and part two. You'll be there for part one. He'll be there for part two. And, you know, Roxanne is extremely insightful, and it's so crazy to me that people say that it's the coven, as they call them, it's fault that these baby daddies aren't coming around. When Roxanne is, like, including these deadbeats in their family pictures, Roxanne says, like, they have to try. It's not about them. It's about the kids having pictures with their dad. And she's like, Stella needs a picture with her dad. And she says something that I thought was extremely insightful. She says, it's a memory you're hoping for and a memory you're working on. Which, Brittany... (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> Brittany quickly followed with, look at this one, give her a show on Hallmark, <laughs> which cracked me up. But it's true. Like, Roxanne understands the importance of, you know, Stella being able to look back and have that professional picture with her father. She got, Roxanne gets that. And Roxanne understands that, like, even if he's not around, like, it's for Stella in the long run. And Bree's like, all right, you do what you want. You do, you do you. These are your pictures. I'm not going to stop you. And I do think that's where Brie is a good parent and that she, she doesn't agree with it and doesn't like it, but isn't going to throw a fit and stop, stop him from being there. Um, I believe we saw these professional pictures and they're very, very, very cute. Who should we talk about? Should we talk about Kale who had nothing happen this week? Nothing ever Uh, Basically, we find out that Kale paid back the child support. The back child support, I guess, was 14 months. Um, You know, remember that Joe was only paying $450 a month. So, you know, it wasn't a ton of money. It wasn't, like, no money, but it wasn't like she was paying him, like, hundreds of thousands of dollars. She just paid him back what he paid while they had 50-50. Kale feels like it's still awkward, but she's got it worked out. This is, we find out Kale's building a house. Kale's been crying on Twitter for, like, months that they're not showing that they're she's building a house. She was, like, so angry about this. 
Also, apparently on her podcast this week, she said that she did a, uh, at, she talked about the reunion and she said that, you know, they had set up that Kayla would be in Jersey and that Leah and Chelsea were going to sit on the couch together for a segment and that Kayla was mad that she wasn't going to, so they let her come in. But, like, it just so happened that Chelsea wasn't there and didn't get in until the day Kale left. And I'm wondering if, by the way, I told, I told, um, I guess, I'm trying to think if I should mention you about your, I'm going to mention you by your uh, Reddit name because I don't think you want me to mention you by your IRL name, but Playcrackers in the Sky is her Reddit name. I'll keep it to that just so it's not as easily traceable. But Playcrackers in the Sky <laughs> says that she believes, and I agree with her, that Chelsea has on the DL request that she not be in any like any reunion stuff with Kale. And I, I totally agree. Like Chelsea, she's not stupid. Like she understands that Kale was a big part of the reunion drama last year. And don't forget, don't forget before. Well, okay, two reunions before, right? Kale, was it two reunions before? Kale, like, roped Chelsea and Leah into sitting on that couch and, like, demanding Brie be fired, essentially. And Chelsea got a lot of pushback online for that, I think. I think people were like, you look stupid to Chelsea and Leah because they were like, that's not your fight. We don't understand why Chelsea and Leah are, like, letting Kale bully them into this. They definitely got a lot of pushback online. Yeah, that was two reunions ago because that's when they came up with drama is for nerds and then made the shirts for the last reunion. And before the last reunion, remember, Kale had Chelsea on her podcast and said that she was going, she wanted to fight Brie. And Chelsea was like, no, come on, no fighting. Like, no, like, kind of laughing about it. And then we find out that Kale did try to fight Brie, which then escalated it to Brittany, to Brie running out. Chelsea's pregnant on stage when there's a physical fight. Yeah, Kale didn't start that particular one. But if you're Chelsea or any of us, you're sitting here and you're like, okay, Kale said she wanted to fight Brie. I laughed. I thought she was kidding. She wasn't kidding because she tried to fight her in that room. I see it on TV. And then there was a fight. And it was because Brie was mad about Kale trying to attack her. And I was on stage and I could have been hurt. I think that Chelsea clearly sees Kale's involvement in this all. Now, do I think Leah sees it? Probably not. Leah's not very smart. But I think Chelsea, look, Chelsea's dumb, but Chelsea was a popular girl in high school. I think Chelsea is good at, um, like, friendships and not good at friendships. She has, like, a good understanding of women relationships, I guess, is a okay way to put it. And I think she sees Kale's bullshit, and I think she understands, like, how much of a part Kale was of the drama and that she was not an innocent victim in it. And I wonder if Chelsea's conditions was like, I don't want to be around Kale, I don't want to be around Brie, and I don't want to be around Janelle. Because <laughs> if I'm Chelsea, that's what I would say. Leah's just too dumb to get it. <laughs> Leah doesn't understand that she should demand that. But I really do think that Chelsea believes that to be true. I, I mean, I believe that to be true. And if Chelsea doesn't, then, like, Chelsea, call me. Actually, I have quite a few things I want to talk to you about, Chelsea, but I'll I'll get there. So, Kale's building a home. Oh, what was I talking about? The re oh, oh, I wanted to say one other thing. Apparently, Kale and Leah did this thing, like, uh, this mon 
montage of like the kids and they didn't include kale's kids in it like they did this whole clip and kale cried because she felt hurt <laughs> i don't know she like will randomly ran on twitter that they don't show her kids on this show but i feel like we see them every single episode apparently though her kids refuse to wear mic packs because they hate filming so they don't have as much like talking footage of them but like we see her kids all the fucking time so um, we got a scene of Joe and V, like, snuggling and Joe complaining about having to work, which I thought was funny because Joe's a bum. I mean, I complain about having to work, but it's just funny to see Joe do it. Um, Joe said he's glad it's over. And then we see the kids going to see the lot for where Kale is building the house. She put it on hold for a little bit when she was unsure about child support, but is hoping to be in by the fall. It's in... The internet assumes it's in Middletown, Delaware, which is a really nice area. They have some of the best, they have the best schools in Delaware, which there aren't that many school districts in Delaware, but apparently they have really good ones. It's a halfway between Dover and where Chris lives, when Chris lives in Wilmington. Chris actually lives not that far from me. And it's kind of crazy to me that she would move out of school district for the boys. She said online that she thinks that Javi and Chris will be... Uh, fine with the boys switching school districts, but Joe isn't as flexible with that type of stuff. So she'll have to drive, um, she'll have to drive, what is it, Isaac to school when she has them. And I like how she's making, like, Joe the bad guy here. Like, ugh, Joe's just not that flexible. Like, Isaac's in third or fourth grade. He's established in this school district. Like, Joe lives there. There's no reason that Kale should unilaterally get to move her child's school district when she has 50-50 custody with the father. She thinks that Javi will be fine with it. But then my thing is like, okay, so Javi's going to have to drive uh, Lincoln back and forth to school because Kale wanted to move. And also, like, I looked it up online and it's like Middletown has the number one school districts in, uh, in Delaware, but then Dover is like number three. Like, it didn't seem like a substantially different. I was going to use a very local reference and it wouldn't make sense, but it didn't seem like they were moving from a school with like a one rating on Zillow to a 10 rating on Zillow for all my Zillow heads out there. You know, it just, it seems pretty selfish of Kale to move the kids out of district. Um, if you noticed, if you are like me and you are looking in the background, Kale's definitely moving into a McMansion neighborhood. I'm assuming this will be a, like, six-bedroom, six-bath house would be my guess. Maybe five-bedroom, six-bath. Um, this is going to be, like, full on McMansion. The realtor made sure to mention that the neighbors have a basketball court, which, like, okay, who cares? Um, I noticed the house across the street from them had a full, like, gate going on over the driveway. She's definitely moving on up in the world. And, like, yeah, part of me is proud of her. They flash back to the apartment that she lived in, that apartment that she got through the help of charity. And that, like, Isaac's room was in the washer and dryer closet. Like, <laughs> she's definitely come up in the world. And that she's doing this all on her own is impressive. And I'm not going to begrudge her of that. But, like, she she's about to build a McMansion. I am pretty excited to see it. Um, I think the house she lives in now is nice. She has a finished basement, a nice pool. I bet it's a four-bedroom, three-bath would be my guess. Uh, just like a, a pretty traditional East Coast colonial home. And so I'm very interested to see this new McMansion that she's going to get, what the pool's going to look like, what the basement's going to look like. I'm assuming like a full, a full like lower level for basement where there's like a kitchen down there like a wet bar, that type of thing. Um, 
And then upstairs, I'm guessing, like I said, five or six bedrooms. They'll definitely be each bedroom's definitely going to have a bath. She even mentioned that she wanted to do on her podcast. Apparently, she wanted to do two master baths so she wouldn't have to share a bathroom with a man ever again. Which, like, fair enough. Props to you. <laughs> I don't hate that idea, but I think it's going to be a crazy house. I think she will be very house poor. I hope she is putting down a very large deposit for this because. This gravy train won't go on forever, and I am curious about Kale's bank account and her savings. I'm very curious about Kale and money. She constantly says she's broke on her podcast. I don't think she's broke. Um, I think she just likes to say she's broke for attention, but I'm curious as to if Kale, who is 27 or whatever, grew up poor, doesn't, like, does she have a business manager that really helps her? I'm sure she talks about it on her podcast, but I hate her podcast, so I don't know. Anyway, let's round the corner. Let's finish up with Chelsea. Guys, Chelsea, what the fuck was this week? So I don't really want to go into a scene by scene with Chelsea. I just want to, I just want to talk. I don't think we need a scene by scene. I, two weeks ago, whenever I last did a recap podcast, I talked about the fact that Chelsea seems to have crippling anxiety that really affects her and she does not seem to do anything to manage it. If you'll remember, Dr. Drew at one point suggested uh, that Aubrey and her be in therapy to deal with the Adam stuff and Chelsea was like, no. I think there might have been one episode where she went to see a therapist on screen to talk about Adam like way early in the day and she said she hated it. Chelsea is completely unable to manage this break-in, which, fair enough, as I said, is extremely scary. She also has postpartum anxiety. Now, she had a panic attack. She had to go to the hospital. When Mandy, the producer, said, is this something you would be interested in going to talk to somebody about? Chelsea, with a huge... Did you guys notice this? Not skipping a beat, with a huge grin on her face, says, no... I'm not interested in that. I'd rather do medication. But I can't even really do medication because I'm breastfeeding. What the fuck? Guys, it's infuriating. It's really infuriating to watch. I understand that when you have anxiety, it can be hard. The idea of seeing a therapist is extremely nerve-wracking and scary. But for Chelsea to, like, not even think that she needs to try it is mind-boggling to me. There are clearly so many things that Chelsea needs to do therapy about. There are so many fucking things that she needs to do therapy about. Also, there are lots of medications that you can take while breastfeeding. She is not educated on this matter. I would be very surprised if she went to see a psychiatrist and they told her she couldn't be on meds and also did not recommend that she go to therapy. Chelsea has such bad self-esteem issues. She has such bad codependency. She has such bad anxiety. Chelsea's like, well, I've had anxiety my entire life, but, like, this was really bad. And it's like, girl, you've had anxiety your entire life? Like, go see a fucking therapist. Now, talk therapy does not work for everyone, but for her to not even try, as a viewer, is infuriating. 
Now, I know people are like, don't criticize her. Like, oh, you guys should see the Reddit threads. People are like, how dare you criticize a person with anxiety? Like, the whole fucking internet doesn't spend hours and hours criticizing Kate for what she does for her anxiety and what Amber and what she does and what Janelle and what she does and Leah and what she does and everybody else on this fucking show. But God forbid somebody see that child she should go to fucking therapy. You're the devil for criticizing a mentally ill person. No, 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 no. No, 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 no. You're looking at a bitch that's been going to therapy since she was eight fucking years old. So you can miss me with that shit. You can miss me. No, absolutely not. I'm going to sit here and criticize Chelsea for this irresponsible decision she is making because it is irresponsible decision to refuse talk therapy when you are having crippling anxiety, which is what random panic attacks are. You are not treating your mental illness. All she says is, I don't want to be crazy. I don't want to be like this, which um, is a very natural understanding. Like, you think I want to be an alcoholic? Like, no, I don't want to be like this. But you go to therapy to help deal with that feeling of not wanting to be like this. It's hard. It's scary. I get that. But I don't see why we're not allowed to criticize Chelsea for her refusal to help herself. The fact is, like, it's, it's just wild to completely write off therapy before you even try it. It's wild to me that, like, I, and obviously her anxiety is having a majorly negative impact on Aubrey because Aubrey can't sleep in her bedroom. She's too scared to sleep alone and has to go up into their room every single night. Like, Aubrey needs to go to therapy to deal with this. Chelsea needs to go to therapy so that her anxiety stops rubbing off on Aubrey. It just, it's infuriating. It's really infuriating to hear somebody say, like, no. And, like, not, it'd be one thing if she said, like, I don't know if I'm ready for therapy. I'm, like, kind of scared of therapy. Like, and maybe that is how she's feeling. But I don't really feel like giving her the benefit of the doubt right now. And if that makes you really angry at me and want to turn off this podcast, like, fine. But we would criticize any other cast member for having this reaction. And I don't see why Chelsea should get a pass on it. If Chelsea had, like express any sort of feeling towards it, I think I would be a lot more sympathetic. But that girl had a shit-eating grin on her face when she said, no, it's not for me. Like, literally, one, less than a minute after saying that she's had anxiety her entire life, and at that dinner, like, the minute they start talking about the break-in, she starts, like, you can see how, like, her body tenses up, like, She's like, I don't want to feel this way. I don't want to be like this. Like, she's obviously really, really struggling. And it's like, just go see a therapist. Try it out. Try it out. It's just, I don't understand. I don't understand why Cole isn't pressuring her into doing it. Cole, this is on you too. Um, I find it pretty irresponsible that he's like enabling Chelsea's bullshit thoughts on this. Um, that he's not saying, like, you really need to go see a therapist because this is negatively affecting your life, which negatively affects our life, and it negatively affects our children's life. You're not sick. You're not crazy. You just have anxiety, and the best way to treat anxiety is through medicine and therapy. Now, I understand not everybody can go to therapy. For a lot of people, it's significantly more reasonable to just be on medication because they cannot afford therapy. They can't afford childcare. They don't have access to therapy. There are a million reasons, but none of those apply to Chelsea. And for her to even refuse, just straight up refuse, and I'm sorry to give the viewer, because this isn't just about Chelsea's life, it's about how she presents her life to us as the viewer, to not even give an explanation for it 
if you want this to be a storyline, then you got to give an explanation. If you don't want any of us to know about it, don't fucking talk about it on this show. If you don't want to be judged for it, don't fucking talk about it on this show. Because if we're going to, like, if we're going to judge everybody else, then we're going to judge us too. And for Chelsea to not be like, I just don't know. I don't know if I'm ready for therapy. I don't know if therapy's right for me. That would be one thing. But for her to just be like, nope, I'm going to do medication. It's like, who have you even talked to? To tell you that medication is the answer for what you're going through. It's just so crazy to me. I'm hoping that next week she'll be like, I saw a psychiatrist and the psychiatrist says that, like, I really need to see a therapist. I'm going to go try and see a therapist. Maybe that's what happened. I don't know. I found this whole storyline, like, kind of irresponsible for MTV to put on to, like, not even put, not have a single person in Chelsea's life push back on her not going to therapy. Not a single person. Not her dad, not her stepmom, not her best friend, not her husband, not the producer. Not a, Like, why didn't Mandy say, like, why don't you want to go to therapy? Everybody's so scared to question Chelsea on anything. And for me as a viewer, it's, like, pretty infuriating to watch. I'm really worked up. Maybe I should go to therapy to deal with my Chelsea hate. I don't know. I don't, like in general, like to judge. Well, that's not true. I do judge people that really need therapy that refuse to help themselves. It's frustrating. Somebody that has all the access to it. It's like how frustrated we were with Kate when she came back from treatment and just wouldn't go. That's how I feel about Chelsea. I don't really have, I don't really care to like go through and recap Chelsea segments. I just wanted to rant about that. Also, Chelsea Grace, girlfriend, change your hair and stop fucking tanning. Oh my God. Her orange fucking skin with that white blonde hair is hideous. I don't think Chelsea Grace is ugly, but she is not styled well. That, I think she still goes in the tanning bed, to be honest. Her skin looks terrible, but whatever color she is, she's orange. She's worse than Chelsea, who looked a nice shade of green this whole episode, if you guys noticed. But with that white blonde hair and that orange skin, I really need Chelsea Grace to, like, do something. Need her to get it together. Also, Chelsea took out her extensions, well, the long ones, and is wearing short hair, and it looks so much better. If you look on her Instagram, it looks so much better. I'm really proud of her. She still has red purple hair, which you guys know I really want her to walk away from, but we've made a major set. Maybe she did start going to therapy and her therapist told her to take out her fucking extensions. Yo, I'm on one. That just woke me up. Maybe I should have started with this and I would have been a little more invigorated this whole episode. Anyway, that's really all I have to say this week. I love you guys. Have a good week. I'll talk to you soon. Bye! This has been an episode of Feathers in My Hair, an Emotionally Broken Psycho's Patreon exclusive. Executive producers Molly McAleer and Liz Bentley. Produced by Nicole Matthews. Special thanks to Sarah DiGiovanna for our logo. Head on over to our Patreon page for more rewards. www.patreon.com slash ebpsychos.